Welcome friends, uh, Pastor Jake here. So glad that you're joining us online. I know online we're, we're so close to being there and in, before you know it, we're gonna be filling the building with all kinds of uh, people. And in fact, I'm in the building right now, just yards away over this way uh, is our giant lobby where you'll come in and gather and, and have coffee and sit around the fireplace. We'll have tables and couches and, and kids, you'll have your hot chocolate again. I know you've been waiting for that. Uh, and then our worship center, you're gonna, after the coffee, you're gonna step into there and man, you're gonna have incredible worship and live teaching again. And, and we're just a breath away from there. And we're so excited to have you there. And I don't know about you, but <clears throat> for me, uh, it's so easy for me to <laughs> divide my life, my time, the things I do into what I just call the sacred and the secular. Uh, it's easy for me to just draw lines around, you know, I, g I go to church, you know, I go into uh, the auditorium and, and worship is going and, 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 and man, I am there. I'm in the face of God. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm having that spiritual moment. But then there's that other part of life that's, that's not the spiritual. And when I say secular, I, I, I mean, as Webster defines it, you know, anything that's not spiritual, that's not uh, godly, that's not of the sacred, which let's be honest, that's, isn't that most of life? You know, even when you come to church, you, you come in, you don't walk into the lobby and automatically you're in the sacred. No, a lot of times you walk through the lobby and, and, and you're connecting with friends and it, it's that kind of secular thing, that thing that's not sacred, if you will. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's easy to, to, to divide my, my time and the things I do and just life into these two categories, the sacred and the secular. My question, though, that I want to unpack with you today is what is the line between the two? What is there a line between the two? Does God have it as just a giant gray area? And if he does have a line, where is that line? Does does he want more of my secular and the sacred or more of the sacred and the secular? If God does want to be that involved in this much of just the minutiae, the day-to-day -day stuff, the going to work, the driving, the going to kids' practices, the reading the newspaper, how much does he want to be involved? Before you give the nice, clean Christian answer and say, Jake, he wants to be in, involved in all of it, do we really think that? Do we really want that? Do we really want God to have a say-so in when I eat dinner? And it sounds kind of like a dictatorship almost. What does God have to say about this? Where is the line? Is there a line? And what can we learn from this? I think the best place to start is in the book called Leviticus. I know you're so excited, Leviticus. <laughs> Most of you try to go to sleep by reading Leviticus at night. Uh, Leviticus, it, literally the Hebrew word is vayikra. It means he called. And, and I, though it can be kind of uh, boring at times, it is a part two to part one, which was the book of Exodus. It was a group of God's people that God led out of slavery. Up until this point, they had no idea what life, what normal life was like outside of slavery. They didn't know how to live a normal life. And God, the creator of life, the one who designed it, said, let me tell you. 
In the book of Leviticus, Vayikra, he called is the instructions for how the world should be ordered, how you should live life the way God designed it. And so in the middle of it, through all this kind of detailed instruction on how to judge this or how to do this in life, he has this chapter in Leviticus chapter 11 that talks about, oddly enough, what we should eat. And I want to read it for you. And as I'm reading it, I want you to maybe ask the question, one, what did this mean for those people that were hearing it for the first time? And two, what does that mean for us? Because it's kind of one of these odd chapters you find in the Bible. Verse 1, Vayikra, he called, Adonai spoke to Moses and to Aaron and saying to them, Speak to Benai Israel, the children of Israel, saying that these are the living things which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Whatever has a split, a split, divided hoof, and choose cut among animals, that you may eat. Nevertheless, you shall not eat those that only chew cud or have a split hoof. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof, is unclean to you. The coney, though it chews the cud, yet does not have a divided hoof, so it is unclean to you. The hare, though it chews the cud, does not split the hoof, so it is unclean to you. The pig... Bacon, <laughs> though it has a split, divided hoof, does not chew cud, so it is unclean to you. You're not to eat meat from them. You're not to touch their carcasses. They are unclean. From all that are in the waters, you may eat whatever has fins and scales within the waters, in the seas and in the rivers, and those you may eat. But any that do not have fins and scales in the seas or the rivers among those that swarm in the waters or among any of the living creatures that are in the waters, well, they are loathsome to you. They are to be detestable to you. You shall not eat meat from them, and you, shall not detest, and you shall detest their carcasses. Whatever has neither fins nor scales in the waters, that is detestable thing to you. Then he goes in, says, among the birds you shall detest the following. They're not to be eaten. They're loathsome. The eagle, <laughs> the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, the kind of black kite, any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the gull, any kind of hawk, the little owl, the coromant, the great owl, the white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the stork, any kind of heron, the hoopoe, I don't know what that is, and the bat. All the flying insects that walk on all fours are detestable to you. Yet you may eat from all winged creeping things that go on all fours, which have legs above their feet with which to hop on the earth. You may eat from any of the locust, any of the catadid, and any kind of cricket and any kind of grasshopper, but all winged creeping things that have four feet are loathsome to you. Verse 29, it continues and finishes up. Among the creeping things that creep on the earth, the following are unclean to you. The weasel, the rat, any kind of lizard, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the wall lizard, the skink, which is the cousin of the skunk, I think, I don't know, and the chameleon. Among all that creep, these are the ones that are unclean to you. Now, I know you're reading that, you're going, that's so detailed. What does that have to do with us? Well, first of all, I don't know about you, but as I'm reading this, I, I get the sense that God is giving this instruction because obviously they didn't have advanced nutritional information in those days. So obviously God is just letting them know without going into the science, here's what you're to eat and what you're not to eat. And this is why he gives the list to them. No. Although that's helpful and, and, and it is partly true in there, that's not the reason God gives for why he gives this instruction to not eat this 
and to eat this. And he says it at the end of the chapter. He says this in verse 44. For I am Adonai your God. Therefore, sanctify yourselves and be holy. For I am holy. You're not to defile yourself with any kind of creeping thing that moves on the earth. For I am Adonai who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. Why? To be your God. Therefore, you shall be holy. Why? Because I am holy. Holy means to be set apart. It means not as the world's desires or everyone else is doing it, as God sees it because he's the designer of life. And he's saying, I want you to be holy. Why? Because I am holy. And he gives us instructions to the people of God, basically saying, I want you to be like me. But it begs the question, does God, does it really matter what I eat? Like, does, does God, is that such a big deal to him? I asked that question, and, and I had a hard time digging through just a nice, clean answer for that. So I thought, you know what? Let's just experiment with this. <laughs> I said, God, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Maybe there's something between the lines that I'm missing here that you just have to experience. So I'm going to take this list, and for 30 days, I'm going to do exactly as you instructed them with their food, what to eat and what not to eat. Now, the good thing is I don't have a growing desire for the delicacy of camel or eagle. Uh, so most of the list was honestly pretty easy. But I do love an occasional shellfish. And shrimp is one of my favorite. But even that I can, I can abstain from, you know, for, for the sacred. <laughs> But pork, ooh, <laughs> that's going to be tough. I thought, okay, let's try this. Let's experiment with it. So I was doing pretty good. Like every meal, I'm going through the list. I'm checking it. Every meal, does it have this? I think I'm okay. I'm good here. No grasshoppers in this. Any pork here? Oh, I got to avoid that. And let me just tell you, for anyone that wants to not eat pork or bacon, uh, for uh, in a set amount of time, you will quickly find that the world is made of bacon. <laughs> and everywhere I went, there was bacon wrapped this and bacon that and sausage this and sausage that. I, I lived about a block away from a restaurant literally called Bacon. I couldn't see any other restaurants. That was the glowing sign I saw every time, which is bacon, bacon, bacon. When you're trying to abstain from it, it has become so, so hard. But, but all of it was, was attainable. I was avoiding all of it until one day, about 15 days in, I got in the mail a coupon, <laughs> I'm not lying, for a free sausage pizza from Papa John's. It was National Sausage Day of all day. I didn't even know that was a day. Uh, I think it was the devil because I'd never seen that coupon ever since. But, but I'm sitting there. <laughs> I'm looking at the stupid coupon. And I'm having this discussion in my head. What are you doing? <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> you, you're, why are you avoiding bacon just as an experiment? You just eat the, get the pizza. You're not obviously learning anything. Nothing's going to come about in this. 
And, and I'm sitting there asking, and I, and I start dialoguing like, Jesus, like, what is the big deal? Like, you, wouldn't, you don't care what I eat. You, do, you don't care. And all of a sudden, like a light bulb, it hit me. I'm having a conversation with Jesus. Like, all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm just... And it was, wasn't in a church service. It wasn't listening to worship music. All of a sudden, I, I'm sitting as if he rolled in with the chair and just said, hey, can we talk? Like, can I be involved in this? And it hit me. I think Jesus wants to be involved in even when I eat. And it wasn't this holy moment, it was just him sitting at the table. And if Jesus is interested in being involved in just my lunch for the day, does he also want to be involved in what I wear, in what I do, in what I listen to, in what I watch, in the small things? Like how much does he want to be involved in that? Job, he's an interesting character. And he had this observation. Granted, he's under extreme depression. <laughs> His life's not going so good. But he has this epiphany. And he writes this in a question to God that later in Psalms 8, the psalmist would take and use the same concept. And in Hebrews, the Hebrew writer would, would also come up with the same uh, dialogue. And, and here's what he says in Job 7, chapter 17. He says, what is mankind? He's talking to God. What is mankind that you magnify him, that you set your heart on him? Listen to this, that you visit him every morning and test him in every moment. Like, who are we? Who is man? Who am I? That you would lift me up, that you would lean in and care and visit me every day, every morning. Is God interested in the details? Is he interested in the small things, in the secular, in the minutia? <laughs> Jesus would later <laughs> reedify this in Matthew chapter 6. He's teaching his disciples. He says this, verse 25, So I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your Father in heaven feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to this, uh, to this life? And, and why do you worry about clothing? <laughs> Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They don't work. Yet, I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Now, if in this way God clothes the grass, which is here today and thrown into the furnace, tomorrow it's gone, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? This is a classic Jewish style of, of, of debating and writing. If, if God loves this this much, how much more involved does he with you? Why do you worry about your clothes? Why do you worry about these little things? He's saying, I want to be involved in that. I want to be in the middle of that. What kind of God does that? 
just a few chapters later, he says this, Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Is God interested in the details? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, so, so if he's interested in the small stuff, if he's interested in the secular, if he wants to be involved that much in my life, that begs the question to me is why? Why? Why would a God, a creator of the universe, who, who designed the galaxies, who measures them with the length of his hand, why would he want to be so involved in the minutiae? in me sitting in traffic, in me at work. I think it's because of this. I think because sometimes we end up depending so much on some of the secular things, on some of the, the minutia in our life that we actually make the secular sacred. You see, when we depend on something so much that we rely on it, then we actually start to worship the thing that provides the thing we're dependent on. God knew this from the beginning of time. As soon as the people left Egypt out of this life of slavery, you know, the, the, they depended on the same things, but they looked to different things than us to provide that, that they worshiped. In those days, they depended on food and, and provision and, and uh, prosperity of, of life, right? Uh, of the fertileness of the soil, fertileness of having and bearing children. And, and if you depend on those so much that you elevate them above God, then you actually start to worship the thing that provides those. And we live in an information age. We understand the science behind the sun and the moon and the soil and, and the rhythm of, of rain and whatnot. But in those days, they didn't. And so they began to worship those things, and those became idols. And God did never intended it that way. We do the same thing, though. The things that we depend on, our social status, our job, maybe even our family, the things that can provide those things, sometimes we end up elevating above God and we begin to worship them. And God knew this. It's in our nature. And so the very first thing he does with those people that come out of slavery, the first instructions he gives them in the Ten Commandments is it found in the book of Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And this is the very first instruction. He says, then God spoke all these words saying, I am Adonai, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, out of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Do not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth below or in the water under the earth. Do not bow down to them and do not let anyone make you serve them. For why? For I, Adonai, your God, am a jealous God. Wow. He says, I don't want you. I want to be involved in this, partly because I know your tendency is you're going to elevate the things that give you these things that you depend on. And because of that, I'm going to end up sitting at the kitty table with some other God that you're worshiping. God closes it and he says, why is this so important? Because I'm a jealous God. 
Now, I know when we hear that word, it's so easy for us to think of junior high, right? Or the Jerry Springer show. And, and we think, how petty can God be being, being jealous? That's silly. But imagine that you're at a restaurant tomorrow. And on the corner, you see a booth. And there's Pastor Jake. And as you look in closer, you see he's not with Kim, his wife. He's with some random woman you've never seen. And it looks like he's flirting. What would you do? <laughs> if you were normal, you'd probably pick up the phone and try to call my wife, Kim. Be like, you would not believe. I'm sitting at this restaurant and I'm seeing Jake with another woman having dinner. Now, how shocked would you be if Kim's response was just, oh yeah, I know. It's cool. We've worked that out. We still love each other and we're married, but, but we know that we're going to see other people. You'd be shocked. You'd be flabbergasted. Why? Because the proper reaction would be, are you kidding me? What? Anger and just jealousy. That's the word. Petty jealousy, junior high jealousy is different than true jealousy, a godly jealousy. Godly jealousy is built on, on trust and love and commitment. It is right for God to say, I don't want to share you with anyone else. So why does God want to be involved in all that? Because he doesn't want to see you elevate anything that he has to share the table with. What kind of God leans in and loves his creation like that? What kind of God is in hot pursuit of his people so much that he wants to be involved in just the minutia, in the day-to-day? -day? Why? Because he's a jealous God and he doesn't want to share the table with anyone. Uh, okay, okay, so I get it. God wants to be involved in this. I, I get it that, that he, 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 he loves the minutiae. He wants to be in the everyday, right? And I get why. Jake, how does this work? <laughs> how does it work? Well, first of all, quit dividing things. Quit separating things, okay? It, in God's eyes, it's not secular and sacred. He sees, he sees all things as sacred. In, in fact, sometimes I think we, as Christians, get so fearful, right? We begin to even label things this, Christian this and secular this. And we're so afraid sometimes of the, the secular invading the sacred or the sacred in, into the secular. Let me tell you, anytime the secular invaded Jesus, if you read in the Scripture, it didn't affect him at all. In fact, he made it sacred. The demon-possessed, the sick, the unclean. Anytime it could have gone the other way, Jesus said, open the door, let him in. I want to make the secular sacred. <laughs> Tear down the divisions. In your head, all those, uh, allow God in the door in your every day. Even now, we're not in a building. You're sitting maybe at home or maybe you're driving in a car on vacation. You're kind of half tuned in. That place can be just as holy as when you're sitting in the front row worshiping. The second thing is I'd say this. Stop prioritizing God. I know I'm guilty of this. I, 
I've taught messages on this. God wants to be your number one, right? And, and this number two and this number three, listen to me. God doesn't want to be number one. He doesn't want to be number two. He doesn't want to be number three. He wants to be everything. It's not God and then this and then some other part of life. It's life and God. <laughs> Open the door. Let him in. Watch him invade just the everyday life. Watch how much more maybe you can hear his voice. When I was learning this <clears throat> a couple years back, I was in a real kind of odd place. I was dealing with some depression. I was coming off of a, a season of life where I was just, um, just felt defeated, felt really um, low and, and no self-esteem whatsoever. And, and I was up in the morning and just kind of meeting uh, with Jesus. And, and from time to time, you know, I'll feel the Holy Spirit just say, hey, read this or, or respond to this. And and I'd write things down in my journal. And, and this particular morning, you know, wasn't different than any others. I felt like Jesus said, Jake, what do you love? And, and, and not like, you know, like, <laughs> like this was some kind of trick question. Like, you Jesus, uh, you know, like I know. I felt like this was very secular, very the everyday, the, the, the minutiae. Jake, just what do you love? What makes you smile? okay I'll entertain this usually this comes to some kind of point hopefully and so I just begin to write just things that I love I wrote down cycling I love to cycle I love being on a bike sometimes it's it just it makes me happy <laughs> I wrote hearing the right song at the right time right like, like hearing Phil Collins in the air tonight when the drums come in and you're on the highway and the windows are down, you're like, yes! <laughs> that, that kind of moment, I get happy. It makes me, I just love it. <laughs> and, and I love design. I'm, I'm, I'm a, an artist and a creative, so I, I wrote cool fonts. I just love, I love a cool font. And, and I wrote these things down. I had this whole list and, and I'm sitting there waiting for God to connect something or go to this verse and nothing happens. And I go, okay, well, I eventually had to get ready and go to work. So I got up and get, got dressed and, and headed out. And, at the, and during those times, I was riding my bike to work. And I'm on my way, and I'm on the road, and I come up over this hill. And as I come up to the top of the hill, I'm about to head down on just a great, great hill. And right as I get to the top, <laughs> the dawn breaks through the night. And... Right as that's going on, in my headphones is the Who's Baba O'Reilly playing. And I am just like, oh, yes. And it was like in this brief, most secular moment I could ever have. It's like Jesus just nudged me and just said really quick in that non-sacred moment, I love you, Jake. And I pull my bike up, no lie, just moments later up to the, there was a stoplight and I pull up and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to my music and I'm waiting for the light to turn green and I look over kind of in the, the rocks and the dirt over to the side where things get discarded on the highway and over there I see a part of a bicycle, of a, of a cycle, just like with a part I had in my bike. And I, and I thought, oh my gosh, I just, 
And it's as if Jesus just nudged me again. It's just, Jake, I love you. Okay, wow, this is weird. A couple hours later, I'm at work. I'm walking by a coworker, and I see them working on some design stuff, and something stops me in my track. I see a, a font that I like. I go, oh, man, that's a cool font. And boom, it's like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and I pause in that moment, 100% secular, nothing sacred about this. Worship music wasn't playing. The heavens didn't open. And I go, God, what is going on here? And I felt like the Holy Spirit in that brief moment leaned in and said, Jake, I love those things because I love you. And I want to be involved in all those little things. If I had the door closed to that, if I only allowed God to invade my sacred places, how much more am I limiting Him? We serve a God who recklessly, passionately is in hot pursuit of you. And I know that because he wants to be involved in every part of your life, whether that's in a church service or not. He can speak just as powerfully in a Starbucks than he can in a worship service, in a movie theater just as much as he can listening to a sermon. Open the door. Let God into every space. And watch what He says. Watch what He does. The affection He shows. Be holy. Why? Because He is holy. And now, Jubilee, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you. May you find the holy and the sacred in the most secular of places, in the most mundane of your life. And may it come, and may you hear it, and may you embrace it all the days of your life. May you teach it to your children and your children's children. We love you guys. Thanks for listening.